Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And we are so excited to have you guys tonight for episode 44. It is, we are talking about the worst four letter word there is, guys. That is the word work. (laughs) (laughs) And tonight (laughs) we're going to be talking about post-work and anti-work. If you've never heard those terms before, stay with us. We're going to share what they are and kind of dive into what they are in a little bit more detail as well. Sonia, will you tell everybody how they can find us other than through the platform that they're watching us on right now or through their favorite podcast uh, listening platform? Absolutely. Um, Follow us on Instagram and check out our website, rethinkinghumanity.us. And also look for us on YouTube under Rethinking Humanity Podcast. Yes, do. We don't have a backslash on YouTube yet, but we're going to get there. So just search uh, on YouTube for Rethinking Humanity Podcast. We're there. We have some cool videos um, that are additional that are of Frome, who's one of the guys that we like to talk about on the podcast. And then also all of all of our stuff since um, season two ha- is on here and our interviews. So check all that out. If you're with us right now on YouTube, hi, welcome. Thank you for being here. Say hello in the chat, please. Uh, We love to say hello to everybody who's with us and who's listening. Uh, Hi from the Youngs, Jason. Hi, so good to see you here. Yay. Thanks for being here. Um, That's exciting. I'm great to hear from you guys and great to have you here. Um, Cool. So um, Sonia, tell me, what have you been reading? Have you been reading anything cool? This is one thing Sonia and I love to do is chat about what we like to, what we're reading. And so what you got going, girl? Um, I'm reading this. It's the Bhagavad Gita. If people don't know what that is, it's like Indian scripture. Ooh. It's a kind of equivalent to the Bible, but it's very got a lot of good lessons in how one should live their life. But huh. when I'm not reading this, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts reading articles that Lacey and I share. We actually go, hey, we read this cool thing today. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I listened to something real interesting. So I'm kind yeah. of all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. How are you liking this this book, uh, the Indian type? Scripture? Oh, it's interesting because it's kind of like it's it's philosoph- You know, we both like philosophy. So it's through right. a philosophy class. So it's really sort of in the vein of philosophy where you have to mm-hmm. kind of think about basically your actions. Like just to simplify it, like everything we do has like a cause and effect. Yeah. You know, when you go out in the world and you're kind. Or if yeah. you're not kind, just to simplify it, right? Um, it comes back to you one way or the other. So yeah. it's just a little snippet of that. That's cool. I I um I like and I find an interest in reading on like Buddhist stuff. Mm-hmm. I haven't read really much on that, but um, but but Frome writes a lot about Buddhist uh, Zen Buddhism and that kind of thing, right. and so there, there's threads of it in his writing. But that just kind of made me think of, you know, alternative, you know, mm-hmm. non-Christian scriptures or whatever. And Correct. Some yeah. Religious so, text. Yeah. There's that vein, the same themes run in different, you know, different texts. Yes. And so it's always fascinating kind of to learn about that. So yeah. how about you? What are you reading? Oh, I'm so excited to share this one. I know. Um, okay. So I am reading Civilized to Death. Wow by Christopher Ryan. And I texted Sonia earlier today and I was like, 
I really want you to read this book because I read his first book, Sex at Dawn, several, several years ago. And actually this one was written in 2019. So it's not that new. Um, but I really like how he writes about who we are as a species and how we live for most of human history, which is, and, and what he writes is very different than what you will find if you go looking for this information in other sources. Or I don't even want to say other sources. Other sources is accurate, but like most mainstream sources. <laughs> because if you look in most mainstream sources, you're going to hear, you know, the, the verbiage that we were noble savages and things were horrible and difficult. And mm -hmm. really, um, we lived as hunter-gatherers for most of human history. We've only been post-agriculture for 10,000 years. And so I love the points that he's making in here about how natural it is for us to be cooperative with, you, with each other uh, uh, is a part of like how we've lived for, for so, so long since the onset of human history, because we needed that in order to survive in these hunter-gatherer groups. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, it's just very interesting. And it really turns a lot of these assumptions about how competitive we are and how we're just naturally at the core you know, hateful and, you know, try, jealous and all these things, which society or culture would help, would, would lead us to think is our natural state. When in all actuality, we've heard, you know, from right. And we've mm -hmm. talked about that. That's actually a, it's a result of our environment, the environment that we're in and the type of environment, socioeconomic environment that, um, that we're doing life in. Do you think this author is anti a civilized society, would you say, or? Um, no, he's very realistic about the reality that we're not going back, you know, right. but, but what he is advocating for is that we take a look at who we really are as a species and how we've lived for so long and um, find ways to accommodate that mm -hmm. instead of, you know, forcing ourselves to do things in a way that really is against our nature, which, I mean, it's so much in line with the themes of our podcast, you know? Right, right. And maybe so, um, get some yeah. lessons from how we used to live and apply those today. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing what he says in here. He talks about how, like, the foragers that have been living in different locations throughout the world um, anthropologists have noted commonalities between how they live even if they've been not associated with each other at all they don't know each other they you know but there's they do the same things and it's because um, they work and that's part of kind of who we are as a species so it's just so interesting I'm not even I'm 26 pages in so it's still okay. early um, but Good Keep stuff. Us posted. Keep us posted. Yes. Hey, it will be awesome to have him on the podcast. I would be so excited. But um, but yes, um, I will keep you posted for sure. Um, okay. Just wondering to those of you who are listening, do you think work is a four-letter word? What do you think, Sonia? Oh, it's a loaded question because um, we, we had a podcast before this one. We're doing a series on work. And I think for most of us, uh, for myself, I would define work as a necessity. 
I think um, mm-hmm. we've seen work as being something noble, something to aspire to have a, a job that's meaningful. So yeah. um, I would say, though, now we're in an era that we know the Great Resignation, where we've people are rethinking work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I say it a little bit tongue in cheek and jokingly, and I just kind of did a little tease on my Instagram story about like, we're going to be talking about, you know, the worst four letter word that there is. <laughs> I didn't give any other context. So if you're here because of that post, welcome. And I'm glad you're here. But um, I mean, I think that uh, that like we talked about in the last episode, uh, the pandemic has really helped us to start to rethink our approach to work and what it looks like and what it means. And the two articles that we're going to take a look at um, tonight, I think do a really good job of helping us to understand why we would call it a four letter word. Um, I think it's very easy to just be very accepting of it for what it is. And um, because it's just so much what we're used to doing. And um, the two, the two articles we're going to look at tonight really take a deeper look and kind of pulls back the veneer behind it. And then also Frome writes a little bit about this too in the Sane Society, which is the book that we've been talking about um, in season two. So um, let's start with uh, the New York Times article. Okay. Um, that one is called Even uh, with a Dream Job, You Can Be Anti-Work. So yeah, uh, share, share away if you want to start, Sonia, on this one. Well, I mean, I think that, that the idea is, as I, as I was mentioning earlier, is that we, we have this illusion. I think work can become, you know, everything to someone. In this article, the person writing it is saying, even though he loves his job, he's realizing that it's encompassing every part of his life. You know, mm-hmm. waking up and thinking about the job, even when you're having leisure time, he's thinking about the job. So it becomes more than the job. It becomes, I think, just your identity and how you're living and what you're doing. And it's it's all, to me, it's yeah, it's, it's overwhelming to imagine that. And mm-hmm. he's admitting, you know, he, he actually likes what he does, but he realizes how it seeps into every aspect of his life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I noticed this part in the, in the article, I kind of highlighted it and he says, you know, um, I love my job, but yet a lot of times my job can feel like an all consuming hell. I have wife, a wife and kids and two cats, but work is the first thing I think about every morning. And the last thing I worry about every night, mm-hmm. it has dib. My job has dibs on my mind and my time and it gets the best of my attention and creativity and it is the subject of my deepest neuroses and my most intractable stresses. And I think we can all relate to that. I mean, we, I think it's easy for us to say, no, work isn't the most important thing. But then I think he, he describes it really well. Cause it's like, well, wait a minute though. It's the last thing on my mind before I go to sleep. It's the first thing on my mind whenever I wake up, it really commands most of my time. And it, I have the most anxiety because of it. So how is it not the most important thing? Well, I was going to back up a little bit. There's something I think that we should probably define. So I think typically when we say work, or if someone says work to me, I think of paid employment. Yes. We know there's a lot of labor. 
that we do that isn't paid. Sure. You can name those, you know, child care, elderly care, just your day-to-day activities that you're, you're laboring in. But so what I believe that we're focusing on at this point is the idea that you need a job, a job that is paid to be able to live, <laughs> to be yes. able to eat, to be able to have a roof over your head. So if you put it in that context, what he says is very true. Uh, in his case, he's able to, I guess, enjoy what he's doing, but it's still, there's this anxiety because am I going to have a job a year from now? And how much money do I need? And is my career going where I need it to go? Because he's dependent. You know, we're all dependent on that. So then if you put it in the context of a job that you don't like, then you're really suffering because on top of needing the money, you're going somewhere or doing something that is really, I don't know, horrible, demeaning, or, or just boring, how, whatever terminology you want to use. Right. Yeah, at that point, it's really difficult. Um, and it's difficult, I think, for our bodies and for our minds and our mental health to just go so hard all the time, even in a, in a good situation, in a good job, um, or, um, you know, like a, a job that you enjoy, a job that you like, or a healthy job. So I, I appreciate you um, clarifying that because you're right, work there's, we do work a lot, even if we're not getting paid for it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about the mom who's at home taking care of the home and the kids or the dad who's at home taking mm -hmm. care of the home and the kids. Um, that's, that's work, but mm, it's not paid, you know, um, maybe caring for an older um, family member. That's also work. Going to the grocery store is work. You know, running errands is work. Exactly. You know, these are things that, and I mean, if you think about it, like there are people who are hired to do these mm -hmm. things and they, you know, it's like a job, right? But sure. when we're doing it for ourselves, we're not paid for it. But what, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about work that you do when you're contracted or whenever you're hired by a company or a family or, or a group of people, um, you know, mm -hmm. to do a job in exchange for, for income. Right. So, yes. So I don't, I don't, I love how he points out how much um, this is really a big part of his life and it kind of dominates his life. Mm -hmm. And he says that he didn't really realize that until the pandemic, which again, we've mm -hmm. talked about that um, many, many times. Um, but you know, it's, it's certainly the case for me that it took me getting sick and not having jo a job for a while to go, Oh, this is not the most important thing. Yeah. And I know we've discussed the pandemic, but I would say we, we could keep emphasizing what a big um, change that was globally. I mean, everything stopped. So you have yeah. to imagine the millions of people who were now actually sitting at home or having to do some self-reflection. I mean, that's just astounding. Like, I don't know when that will happen again, maybe not in our lifetime, but that has really mm -hmm. uh, changed or, you know, changed how we think and or started the change, started to have people thinking like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Does this make sense? And also the fact that 
work changed. People started working from home. Yeah. So things that we didn't think were possible became possible. So there's like a lot of, a lot of shifts going on mm -hmm. um, in, in how we're defining even work. Yeah. And he starts this article talking about how reluctant workers are and have been to take uh, jobs that they would have easily taken before the pandemic, lower paying jobs, um, jobs that most people really wouldn't like to take. Maybe it, maybe it's retail, maybe it's fast food, those types of things. And um, this was, I think October, I can't remember exactly uh, when he wrote this, but it was, it was a couple months ago. It wasn't super recent, um, but there's a lot of reasons why they're, um, reluctant to take these jobs. Um, and good for them that they're going, Hey, guess what? Um, I'm worth more than this, you know, like mm -hmm. I need, I need to be paid a, a, a wage and I need to have a work-life balance. Um, maybe they, you know, had unemployment assistance, their stimulus money helped. Um, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, many of them are, uh, actually rethinking what does it act, what does work actually mean? You know, like he's saying that, yes, um, there's a lot of reasons why on the surface they could be hesitant to take these jobs, but basically it's actually, um, something that maybe we're realizing like, Hey, maybe we're a little too obsessed with work. Um, maybe employment is not the only way that I can find meaning in life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then maybe like sometimes like no job is better than a terrible job or even a bad job. Yeah, I think um, as you were saying earlier, it's not just the wages. I'd say people are thinking of their physical health, their mental health. Um, they're thinking of maybe there's another option of how I can live. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't have to get, you know, do the traditional uh, type of lifestyle, I was seeing um, a couple little videos where people literally, they said, I'm not going to have a house. They are now living like in a, um, you know, what's it called? Like the mobile kind of RV home. or something. Yeah. And, and yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. Like I don't wow. have this responsibility or my husband mm -hmm. doesn't have to work or I'm, you know, they're working part time or there's just this whole shift in how uh, we are looking at our lives. What's important. And I think that's what the pandemic did is saying, wow, how much time do I have and what do I want to do with it? Do yep. I want to play by my guitar? Do I want to, you know, read more? Do I want to spend more time with my children or my spouse or significant other? Mm -hmm. I think it opened up all these possibilities. Yeah. And, and at the same time, there's a group of um, thinkers um, who've been studying uh, and and like pushing for this wholesale repraisal of the idea um, that work or the role that work plays uh, for us in wealthy societies and their ideas have been dubbed post-work or anti-work, mm -hmm. um, which is obviously the title of this episode. And so they've been looking at all this um, and advocating for this for years now. And, you know, now it's, it's coming to the light in a, or it, it's not coming to the light, but it's coming to the mass audience in a way that is different than it could have been without the pandemic and the challenges of the pandemic. Um, and now, you know, um, people are like yearning for freedom. I think they're, they're, they're like 
realizing it's kind of like whenever you go out of the country and you live in another country, you're able to see your own culture and your own life in a very different way mm-hmm. than you can when you're in it, you know, or like an unhealthy relationship. If you're in it, it's really hard sometimes, it can be really hard to see it for what it is. And then until you're out of it, then you can see it more clearly. And so it's kind of that um, with what, what they're talking about, the, the pandemic kind of separated us from our work in a way to where we could see it in a different, from a different angle. And now um, people are starting to say, Hey, hmm, maybe we could do things differently. Yeah. We were talking a little bit about this, the post work. I think that's a hard concept for people to imagine because the world, at least that I've always lived in, you definitely work. So the fact is that, people are envisioning actually a whole different life. And I think um, what's interesting that you say, you said earlier that it doesn't even have to do about the wages. There are people who are, have very high salaries, but they determine that they've, they're in humane conditions. Maybe they're working like 98 hours a week and they're, they, they're just literally just existing to work. Yeah. If you think about that, what's the purpose of that? especially if your life is now shortened. I mean, I think there's like a lot of, um, a lot of soul searching on Mm -hmm. what is this going to look like? And we knew this was coming by the way, with artificial intelligence. Also the environment plays uh, a big role here with climate change, because obviously the more we're producing and the more goods we're consuming, the more we're damaging the environment. So there is also an argument there to work Mm. less. That's a great argument. I I didn't even think about that until we discussed it recently, but I love that. Yeah, I really do. And um, I think you and I talked about that in this article, there's a really funny part that it says uh, that there was a recent tweet that proclaimed, I do not want to have a career wrapped Uh up over 400,000 likes. Um, Uh That's kind of interesting that just that statement. Cause I think, uh, at least I grew up that, you know, having a career was really important and also the type of career you had and how yeah. it reflected, it, it sort of was a signal in society, like who you were and yes. how much income you made and how valuable you were. Or yes. mm-hmm. I totally remember thinking that and coming up, growing up that way and going to college and working hard. For that reason, you know. Yeah, yeah. What didn't you have a poem though that was really good that you wanted? Yeah, to Yeah, I wanted to to say this. This is also really good. It says, in her poem, "The Summer Day," Mary Oliver, she's a she's a famous author, asks, "Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life?" And then the author writes, "My reply for now is simple: sit on the porch." <laughs> That's yeah. what I would reply, by the way. Um, well, mine would be I'll travel the world. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. But there's a value in slowing down. I think that's the point. And that's also something that I learned from my time during the lockdown and the pandemic of just like slowing down. And at first it was really hard. Like mm-hmm. I was like, what? I don't know what to do with myself. And that sounds a lot like um, something Frome has said in the past and in other writings that part of the reason why we're so compulsively busy 
is because we can't handle if we're if we're still and quiet, then it's like all the stuff that we're trying to suppress and we're hiding, we're not facing comes to the surface. And then we feel all this anxiety. Sure. You sure. Know? And um, so that's yeah, we can't bear it, basically. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, because, you know, we do bring up from the same society. I found a, a few pages here that he talks about work and I was going to bring that up. Um, I thought it was really interesting that he talks about, they do studies if people are satisfied or unsatisfied. And this was back in the fifties. And mm -hmm. he says in an attempt to answer this question, we must differentiate between what people consciously think about their satisfaction and what they feel unconsciously. And that's really fascinating because he goes into the fact that although people will say consciously, oh, I'm happy with work. I like work. Unconsciously, they're not. They have mm -hmm. ulcers. They have insomnia. They have depression. And so he gets to the root of kind of what you're saying. I think it's almost like a brainwash that we're, we're supposed to be happy, right? Or if we have that quote unquote mm -hmm. good job, um, right. but he's saying in society that that's not this is the difference between the consciously thinking about being your being satisfied and what they feel unconsciously i thought that was very interesting yeah that's super good and it's a good point because it's uh, i think in many situations we can say yeah everything's fine but but unconsciously <laughs> it's not and we feel it and that manifests itself in different ways in our body in our attitudes in our mood mm -hmm. and um, it's it, maybe it feels easier to just pretend that it's everything's fine and it's not a problem, but we can't really, it's kind of like trauma, pain from trauma. It's ignoring it doesn't make it go away or doesn't make it not exist. Right. And the best way to be able to just work through it is just to accept it for what it is, feel it and, you know, move on. Um, yeah. The, the part that from discusses that I think is really relevant today is, and we've discussed this is that one of the ways that we try to count, uh, counteract um, our dissatisfaction is because of monetary and prestige incentives, which I just talked about like money and, and having like this title. And he says, and undoubtedly these incentives produce considerable eagerness to work, especially in the middle and higher echelons of the business hierarchy. But it is one thing that these incentives make people work. And it is quite another thing whether the mode of this work is conducive to mental health and happiness. Mm. So it's that's that's really interesting because, yeah, I think that he's pointing out the obvious that, you know, we, we kind of tell ourselves, oh, we're making good money. Or, wow, I have this great position. So I'm supposed to be happy or, or this should define me. And really unconsciously, we're not satisfied or happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, reminds me of this article again, um, where the author um, of the dream job, even with the dream job, you can be anti-work. He says, you know, there's folks now that are questioning some of the bedrock ideas in modern life, especially life in America. What if paid work is not the only worthwhile use of one's time? I think this is a great question to ponder. I invite all of you who are listening to, to think about that question. What if paid work is not the only worthwhile use of one's time, of my time? What if crushing it in your career is not the only way to, to attain status and significance in society? I mean, that is such a, 
it's such a striking question because it's such a foreign concept. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, what if electing to live a life that is not driven by the neuroses and obsessions of paid employment is considered a perfectly fine and reasonable way to live? Mm-hmm. Hey, well, I like the idea. Yes. Um, and again, Fromm brings this up in this chapter. He talks about use our imagination, look at children and see what they do like at play and saying that there are more meaningful ways to be, to live rather than to be working. Exactly what yes. you're saying. That's, yeah. He says the, he says the same thing. Yes. Yes. That we long to spend our energy on something meaningful that we feel refreshed if we can do so. And that we are quite willing to accept rational authority. If what we are doing makes sense. Mm. And I don't think a lot of it has made sense for people. And this is, this is kind of where we're at. For sure. Well, it's hard for it to make sense when you're one little piece of the whole puzzle of the machine. Like, if, if I'm at a, working for a company that we're building tables and selling tables and I just put the leg on the table, I have zero context for how that all and no participation in the start to finish the interaction with the customer. So, yeah, I think that would that makes perfect sense. You know, I think right. it connects perfectly. And so, um, some, you know, people would probably push back because we've talked about this before. Well then who's going to do that? Who's going to put that piece of the leg on? And so my mm -hmm. answer would be AI. And mm -hmm. then my other answer would be for those of us that don't want to be doing that job, that's why we would have UBI, universal basic income. Right. As a basis, you know, for living. For sure. And then the other answer to that question is part of um, what made ca capitalism um, not so, so, life sucking for the 19th in the 19th century which is the the craftsmanship that came along with that and it was you know the one person built a table for another person instead of compartmentalizing each of the different parts of building the table you mm -hmm. know i think that's that's another thing to mention um there's one other thing before we move on to the other article that i wanted to say from this one and he mentions a Reddit forum um, that's backslash anti-work mm -hmm. and it's for quote unquote, for those who want to end work. And so there's hundreds of thousands of people um, posting in there and, um, you know, reading and giving information in there. So I think that's really interesting. I'm not a big Reddit user, but if you guys are, I want to invite you to go check it out. He says that he's been following it, had been following it for a long time and, he actually really enjoyed it. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, this idea of post-work, anti-work um, is something that we are going to see and be faced with a lot more in the coming years, in the next 10 years, 15 years. It's actually something that Andrew Yang talked a lot about. Mm -hmm. Well, he talked, uh, he talked about it in his book. He didn't really talk about it on the campaign trail. Um, but as you mentioned, Sonia, um, automation is something that is accelerating, that is um, replacing human labor financially, rationally. It makes a lot of sense for automation to take over mm -hmm. human labor. And in that case, um, 
I think if we do things in a way that makes sense, we, we get two things. We get, <coughs> excuse me, we get um, technology companies with a lot of money and we get people, lots of people without a job, without jobs and, um, you know, a need for those people to have a purpose that's not found in work, which is where most of us find our, our purpose mm -hmm. right now, as we're saying, but also an income, a need for them to have an income. And that's where the universal basic income idea comes in and makes a lot of sense. Um, so I think that this is something that we're going to see a lot more um, in the years ahead and, and have to be, be faced with a lot more in the years ahead. And I think basic income, I'm an automation and even what you said earlier about um, climate change and the environment have mm -hmm. a lot of overlap with that. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to really, I think we're living through a big shift right now. Who knows where, how that's going to go, but I don't, I don't see it changing. In fact, I, I see what you're saying as people are going to have less uh, of the traditional jobs. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to, there's going to be a need to find meaning outside of work. I think uh, we have to look at how we're taking care of those that are um, the caretakers in our society, yes. whether it be for disabled, elderly, children. I think there's just going to be a complete, we're, we're moving towards that shift. I don't know how quick we're going to get there, but I think if we're going to be a society that cares about actually living on the planet, <laughs> these are going to be necessary changes. It's, it's a completely different way of thinking uh, than what we are used to. And I think it's going to have to start even with early education. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Because think about it. If, when you're going to school, if you learn that you're a valuable member of society mm -hmm. because you're, I don't know, painting or, you know, I don't, you know, helping or doing some other form of labor, not the traditional labor that we know, sure. or maybe just b that you're valuable because you're human. That's a very radical way of thinking that we've been sort of trained that our goal is to have a job per se. Sure. Well, I mean, think about the question that a lot of people ask kids. What do you, you want to be, be when you grow up? I know. And that is in, inextricably linked to a job, right? Right, right. Um, so, I yeah. Mean, I could right. say off the top of my head is how do you want to be a contributing member of society? Mm -hmm. I mean. And that may not be having a quote unquote traditional job. Right. I mean, another question, way to ask it would be how do you want to spend your time? And it doesn't even have to be when you grow up. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. How do you prefer to spend your time? And what's interesting about that is when you get to that question, then you got to know yourself a little bit. Cause like, how do I want to spend my time? Oh, how do I want to spend my time? What do I like? What do I find interesting? What do I enjoy? And if we're, we don't know that, then it's going to be, that's what makes this whole post work. I think idea a little bit scary for people. Cause they're like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know what I like and who I am. Yeah, exactly. And I would argue that if that's the case, then that's plenty of evidence that we need to do something different because there's a whole nother, whole nother world 
of life and, and human experience that we get whenever we know ourselves, whenever we know what we enjoy, and then whenever we engage in those things. So I want to I want to throw out a question, Sonia, to okay. our listeners and, and also to you. Um, what what I want to, you guys to think about, like, what would your life look like if you didn't have a job? If let's say we got to this fast forward 20 years or however many years and we're in this post work era, mm-hmm. what is your life like? What would your life like be without a job? What do you think? What would you do? How would you spend your time? Well, I think it's an excellent question because I think, as you said earlier, that people are a bit afraid. Like, how do I use that time if I don't have it structured or if I'm not going to a work place every day? Mm-hmm. But I think it does open up a lot of opportunities to do things very differently, whether that is travel around the world, I mean, or, or even in your own hometown, do something different or take up a craft or uh, learn something or be of service. I mean, I think this is where it gets challenging. I think that there's endless opportunities potentially. And mm-hmm. they know from psychology, and I know you love the psychology, sociology, that it's really yeah. difficult when people have a lot of choices. You know, if you walked into somewhere and you only had three brands of cereal to buy, your brain can do this. But if you walk in and there's a hundred brands of cereal, you start to get nervous and anxious. And so I think one of the challenges for people is what you said earlier is being like, whoa, like, what am I going to do? And mm-hmm. who am I? And yeah. so for myself, I think I would probably just me personally narrow down to some things that I've always wanted to do that I didn't have the time mm-hmm. or the resources maybe and start to just take, just do some different, just do something different. And it could be something like, I want to learn Italian. Okay, let's go do that. I want to, you know, write a book. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. I'm sure those change, those things would change over time too. Like, you know, maybe you say, I want to learn Italian, you learn Italian, you go, okay, I'm going to go to Italy and check it out. And then you go to Italy and you learn about pasta and you're like, oh, this is so cool. I want to learn how to make pasta and make pasta and give it out to people in the neighborhood, you know, whatever it is. I, I want to suggest that we wouldn't isolate ourselves. I want to suggest that. And I think that even though we do live in this highly um, digital world now, um, I, I want to, I do think that we, as a human species, we need interaction with each other. And so I think there's a lot of people who will be like, well, some people are just going to play video games all the time. Well, maybe some people will. And then maybe they'll get tired of it because as human beings, we are just, we're social creatures. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things that would happen is that we would end up spending more time together in community and we would do more together, which is, has been, um, measured to show a higher um, quality of life and health whenever we ha- we are in community and in connection with other human beings. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was actually going to bring up the whole communal thing. So they know that that's a measurement of happiness when you're living a more communal life, when you're actually giving to others. And yeah. how that fits in with work is a lot of people who are working crazy hours and busy cannot 
do, you could argue, volunteer or be as involved in the community because they're literally working 24-7 or coming, then coming home and doing what you have to do at home or, you know, children, yeah. home, spouse, animals. So how much can you give? So right. I think this would be a great opportunity for those who are, and even those who aren't necessarily interested is you just get more involved because you have more time. You, yes. know, you can stand outside and talk to your neighbor and then, oh, you have a problem with your car. Oh, I can help you. I, I, you know, I'm a car mechanic or whatever, where in the past you couldn't even have the time to do it or mm -hmm. you're not even around to meet anybody to have that opportunity. Exactly. I, I think you see, you would see people helping each other more, people talking to each other more, um, people spending time with their neighbors. Um, you'd see, I think you'd see art and um, creativity, mm -hmm. music, those types of things increase um, because obviously those things need take time. I mean, it takes time to paint a painting. It doesn't happen in 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? It takes time to write a song. Um, it takes time to read a book. These are all things that are super important. You know, maybe somebody who got a basic income, their passion maybe is research. And maybe they wanted to spend some time researching something. Mm -hmm. Since they have the time, they can do it. So, or improv, or that's something I'm going to start doing, or playing a sport, or going to the gym, or learning how to cook healthier, or farming. I mean, there it's there's endless, endless uh, ways that we can spend our time, and um, in way and ways that are good for us that have nothing to do with work. And maybe we'd be doing things that are similar to work or that we do now consider work, but they wouldn't really be work because we'd be doing them because we wanted to. That's the yeah. difference. They would be, we'd be doing them from our own intrinsic place of motivation and for ourselves. And so it kind of reminds me of what you said earlier about work being like the definition of work. We'd all still be working guys. It just mm -hmm. wouldn't be for someone else. True. We'd be doing it for ourselves. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a real interesting um, evolution to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. If you want to uh, read a little bit more about this, I recommend Andrew Yang's book, The War on Normal People. He does talk about that um, and also universal basic income. Um, and then this, these articles, which we'll link in the YouTube um, in the description and then also obviously... Um, in the description of the podcast episode, if you're listening on audio. So um, we had another article, but we just totally blew right <laughs> out of time, surprisingly. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have to hold on to that one for, mm -hmm. uh, for next time. But oh, yeah. we appreciate you all being with us. I hope you enjoyed it. And it is Thursday night, tomorrow's Friday. It's almost a weekend, Sonia. <laughs> so we hope you all have a great, um, a great evening. And we will see you next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Thanks. Bye. Bye.